Good morning. Um, I'm not usually nervous doing this, but there's a lot of you here today. Um, so I hope that me plus God's Spirit will be just what all of you need. Um, so here we are on the second of the fourth, se- fourth Sunday of Advent, which is our second of four Sundays that are focused on anticipation. And I think this is a pretty fun time of year, right? We're looking forward to some really great things. You might be looking forward to having some time off of work or some time after off of school, spending time with family. Um, you might be indulging in some treats this time of year that you don't always enjoy the rest of the year. Um, Christmas carols, favorite movies, comfy jammies, um, giving and receiving gifts, um, knowing that as of December 22nd, which is less than two weeks away, the days are going to start getting longer again instead of shorter. Uh, I really love the joy of anticipation, and so I thrive in seasons like this where there's something to look forward to, and even if it means waiting, I can just find sweetness in that waiting because I know that there's something good. Um, In some ways, though, what we're experiencing during this four weeks is an imitation of Advent, an imitation of expectation, because we know we can look at our calendars and we can say exactly when that first morning that you get to sleep in on your summer, or I'm sorry, on your Christmas break, or you know which day you're planning to make gingerbread cookies, or the flight information tells you exactly the day and the time that your loved one is going to arrive. This sort of anticipation is only more greatly felt when we don't know the details or the timing of what we're waiting on. So I think of examples like, when are we going to get the season's first real snowfall? Um, Like the days before email, when you would run to the mailbox in in anticipation and hope for word coming from afar. Um, Or like waiting for your sports team to finally win that championship. This is a little bit closer of a representation to the experience of those who were experiencing the arrival of Christ Jesus on that first Christmas. The longing and the hoping and the waiting and the experiencing profound, joyful interruption when God came to earth in a totally unexpected and unprecedented way. So even as we can think of the Advent season as the unfolding of something that we're really familiar with, let's um, set an expectation. Let's amp it up this morning and ask God, would you surprise and delight us with even more unexpected and unprecedented ways of showing up in our lives? So before I get even more into the sermon, let's just stop and pray that right now. (sighs) Good and loving God. We, we believe and we trust and we hope that you have more than what we can see and what we can even hope for. And so will you um, come to where we are and set our expectations even higher, that even the best that we could hope for ourselves, for the people that we love, for our world, that um, we could set an expectation um, and be filled with hope for even greater things than that. Come to us where we are, God, if, um, if we don't feel expectant right now. Um, Come and meet each person in this room exactly where they are and let this be a time where focusing on the goodness of your love brings something new and wonderful. Amen. Um, So, so far in our Advent series, Jamie talked about hope. We had our stars over here. Today, I'm talking about love. And then the next two weeks, we're going to hear Melissa sharing next week about peace and Pastor Angel sharing about joy. So love. I don't know if I was given the easiest topic or the hardest topic. 
Love is something that we all know about, but we struggle to define. And so I'm going to put you all on the spot, and I'm going to ask you, what is love? Um, a couple people came ready today re to respond, and so I'm leaning on them so we don't have crickets, but anybody can respond. If you had to give a response in just a sentence, what would you say? What is love? God is love. Love is action. Love feels like a force. What else? Family. Selflessness. Family. Yeah. Love is doing the dishes. I think some of you guys already listened to my sermon. What else? I heard a voice over here, but I think sharing. Love is sharing. Belonging. A weapon against evil. Patience. Taking care of others. Awesome. I don't know if I need to preach my sermon. You guys get this already. Um, because if we tried to, like, from a philosophical point of view, answer this, and someone said, what is love? There would be words that we didn't understand. There would be, well, love is, is it an emotion? Is love um, the, the firing of neurons in our, in certain, is love dopamine? Is love oxytocin? What is love? Um, there are whole books, there are volumes written trying to understand what it is, and across the ages, everyone's been experiencing it, but also struggling to figure out how to explain it. Um, so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at a scripture passage that I think will help us focus on what is so great about God's love, how we can experience it ourselves, and how we can magnify it to other people. Um, and just like there are four Sundays in Advent, we have um, four Gospels in the Bible, four different books that tell stories about Jesus' life. So we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Most people have heard of these, right? Um, so Luke does sort of the best job filling in the details. If you've heard the Christmas story that includes the angels, the shepherds, the angel Gabriel sharing, showing up to visit and tell Mary that Jesus was coming, um, no room in the inn, swaddling clothes. That's all from Luke's account. Um, Matthew gives a sort of a mini version. Matthew throws in the details of the magi coming with the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I didn't realize until I researched for the sermon that those don't even happen in the same story. Um, Luke doesn't tell us about the magi. Uh, Mark doesn't tell us about any shepherds. Um, but John, oh, well, Mark's, I'm sorry, Mark's gospel is the one that starts just telling Jesus' life in his adulthood. We don't even hear about the birth of Jesus. Um, those three Gospels, though, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are sort of on their own and very different from John. John is just this different, altogether sort of book. John is a little bit like Yoda from Star Wars or Mr. Miyagi from The Karate Kid. Um, you'll see that when we read this passage together in a minute. The other books are called the Synoptic Gospels. Gospels. They share a common view. They give you a, a general summary or synopsis of what happened during Jesus' life. They follow a plot, and so there's names and people and places and events. But John's gospel is introspective and exploratory. So that's a disclaimer when we, when we look at this passage today. Um, but I think I have a good reason for having chosen John as our example this morning. For one thing, the word love appears 57 times in the gospel of John, which is more often than all the three others combined. Um, and in fact, 
we are assuming from all the information we have that it was written by John, the one of Jesus' 12 disciples named John. But in fact, the only time the author makes a reference, the author doesn't say, I, John, am writing this. The author says and refers to himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. That's how he identified himself. And John just can't seem to shut up about love. This verse is, love one another as the Father has loved me, so I love you. By this will everyone know you are my disciples if you love one another. That is all coming from John. So our friend John is not a storyteller who's going to give us details about people, places, and things. But he does allude to the birth of Jesus in a way that I think is powerful and profound. And that's what we're going to look at today. So we're going to read the same verses from the Advent moment um, from John chapter 1. And because I said he's a little mystical, sometimes difficult to understand, we're using the New Living Translation. It felt like that was the one that was the easiest to um, make a little bit more understandable and accessible. So starting in verse 1, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And then jumping ahead to verse 14. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So when you hear word, word of God, what do most people assume you're talking about? The Bible, right? But we know that the Bible was not in the beginning with God. The Bible most certainly is not God, so that can't be what this verse is talking about. So rather, word is referring to God, or more specifically, the part of God that we call God the Son. Um, I would not take you into this territory if Pastor Angel weren't already leading us there, but she has done a lot of talking about lately about the community of God. God is community. God um, being made up of God the Father, or rather God the Parent, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and these three making up what we call the Trinity. This is one of the trickiest and hardest to understand tenets of the Christian faith tradition. I'm not going to try to explain it to you this morning, and I'm not going to try to have you understand it. Um, I'm just going to focus on the ways that I think it fits with this passage that we're focusing on as we talk about the arrival of Christ and the topic of love. Um, because if we start with this assumption that God is community, that God is trinity, this passage makes a lot more sense. We have the point of creation and the word being God and being with God at that point um, of everything starting. And then we have this point in history where we're told the word puts on human flesh and comes to live among us. So if we want to slap some names on these two forms, it makes it a little bit easier. We can say that in the beginning, there was Christ. Didn't have a body, was there when everything started, and then there was a point in history where we got Jesus Christ, where Christ entered human flesh in a body that was named Jesus. Fully God, also fully human. Our mystical friend John doesn't tell us details of when or where or how Christ appeared in human flesh, but he's speaking exactly of that event that Matthew and Mark, or I'm sorry, that Matthew and Luke talk about. This thing that we're anticipating, celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. 
So our key verse here is, again, that verse 14 where it says, So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So the word in the beginning, this is sort of a murky concept like the philosophers and the poets try to talk about when they talk about love. But the word becoming human, making his home among us, we're getting somewhere that we can do a little bit something more with. And that's where I think our idea of love comes in. So when I ask you to say, what is love? And that's not a really easy answer when you're talking in ideal terms. Um, you would probably equally challenge if I said, what is God? What is light? What is life? And limited by the constraints of our human brains and English words, these universal concepts can't be quite understood or articulated. And it's like God knew that. God knew that these big, lofty, universal ideas that are way larger than our, our, our um, smallness, it's going to be difficult for us to understand and embrace. And so for us to be able to grasp these big and lofty things, God becomes accessible to us. God gives us something that we can wrap our human minds around. So God shows up on our planet. God becomes human form, fully saturated in Godness. And God shows us what love looks like, not as a concept, but as a reality that we can experience and that we can replicate. So some of you already were getting to this point and you answered in your questions um, when I said, what is love? But let me ask it again. Tell me about a time recently in this past week when you experienced love. Somebody said dishes. Whoever said dishes. Yes. If somebody says the dishes for me, that is love. What else? Yes. Amen. Amen to that. If you didn't hear, it was husband getting up with a toddler who gets up early so that mom can sleep in. I feel so when I pick up my children and they just, their faces light up. Yeah. They're just excited to be with them. Smiles and touch. Yeah. What else? Friends bringing us food because that makes Yeah. Anybody else? So did you say hugs? I thought it, hugs, definitely. So it's a lot easier to think about love as a particular expression, not just a concept. And so we're finally going to get around now to the first fill in the blank on your insert. But first, I need to make sort of a confession. Um, if you have been around for more than one of my sermons in the past year, it's about time to confess that I um, take so, so, so much material um, that I've just outright stolen from Rob Bell. Um, his podcast, The Robcast, is something that has really helped me in my understanding of the Bible, understanding of life, understanding of God. And so if you have been here where I've said, you're already at the party, if you've been here when I have talked about how um, you are always with me and all I have is yours, I stole it all from Rob Bell. It's all classic Rob Bell. Um, he does talk about how there's three stages of appropriation, how when you hear something that is really um, that really resonates with you, the first thing you would say is, um, you know, uh, my friend Rob Bell says that um, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. And then six months later, it turns into, I've heard it said 
that you are always with me and everything I have is yours. And then six months after that, it transforms into, I always say, you are always with me. So I have totally appropriated Rob Bell, um, but I'm going to do it one more time because the linchpin idea for this whole sermon comes from a powerful praise that I've heard him share at least a dozen times. So I can't take any credit for it, um, at least not for another 12 months. Um, are you ready for this? It's going to be our first fill-in on the insert, and it is that the universal needs a particular. So what does that mean? It means that we have truth that is so true and so good and so grand that we would call it universal. It, is, it fits for everything. And yet, the best way that we can come to understand something that big is to experience it in a very small, very, very discreet, very distinct, very particular way. So if we're talking about Jesus Christ, we're saying that the universal, God, Christ, in order to be accessible, needs to become particular, to be a man in flesh whose feet walked upon the ground, healing and loving and teaching. And as far as love goes, I'm going to say that this grand, huge idea of unfailing love, we can say we believe in unfailing love, but that's a universal idea, and it becomes real when it becomes particular in our lives. So this idea of unfailing love needs to become particular and put flesh and blood on in our own lives. Um, here's a quote from, um, if maybe, I don't know, I, I will also admit that Rob Bell like raises the hair on the back of some people's neck and some people might want to throw stones at me for mentioning him. <laughs> so I will also quote St. Thomas Aquinas who says, the son is the word, not any sort of word, but one who breathes forth love. Also, um, the other famous church father, Augustine, who says, the word we speak of is knowledge with love. Thus, the son is sent not in accordance with just any kind of intellectual perfection, but according to intellectual illumination, which breaks forth in the affection of love. This idea, the word, Christ, the concept of love is hard to wrap our minds around, but we don't have to wrap our brains around that whole concept because the word love Christ entered into a body with its own brain and came to show us what God is like. This means two really awesome things. First, it means that we get to receive and experience God's love in particular ways that each one of us needs. And second, we get to replicate Godness. Christ-likeness as we put God's universal unfailing love into practical and particular terms towards other people. So let's first talk about receiving God's love. And the fill-in on your um, bulletin says, um, through Christ, we can receive love in particular ways. I don't know any other way to say this except, don't you just really love Jesus? Like, really, like, if you know him, if you hear the stories, if you experience him, how tender, how subversive, how wise, how love-filled, how beautiful Jesus is, when you experience that, it's just irresistible. You feel it. I feel it in my body. 
Um, now, maybe that was not, maybe you don't feel that way about a Jesus you were taught about at one point in your life. It's possible that you've experienced manipulation or even outright um, abuse by religious systems or religious people. And those systems or people might have left you with an impression that Jesus is disappointed with you, um, that Jesus loves you as long as you keep conforming to the standards of the system and the religious ideals. Um, there's an old song that probably most of you know. I'll say the first part and you can finish it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But some of us in this room have experienced the Bible as a manual for hate, for judgment of self, for judgment of other people. I was taught growing up to hate some of the people in this room, to judge some of the people in this room by people who taught me about the Bible. Some of us have been told that we had to expect the Bible as an era, ear, inerrant, infallible book of science and history, and that if we can't do that, we can't know really what the love of Jesus is or what the Bible was supposed to be telling us about him. Um, so I'm going to make a suggestion for something I heard again that I can't take credit for, but that came from the host of a podcast called Another Name for Everything that features um, Franciscan friar and author Richard Rohr. Um, I would hope that we could come to a place in our relationship with the Bible that it does actually look like the word as we know the word to be Jesus Christ. Um, but if you're not there, let me suggest that, as this podcast host suggested, there are far more ways to experience Jesus loves me. So switch up the lyrics. Jesus loves me, this I know, for my mother's hugs tell me so. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the blue skies tell me so. For the singing birds tell me so. For a delicious plate of pad thai tells me so. For the air that I breathe tells me so. If you get really particular about examining and recognizing and celebrating how the love of Jesus is available to you, then the universal becomes particular. It becomes that demonstration of God's love in powerful and personal ways. So if you feel like you really need to connect to God, if you really need to experience the love of Jesus, then seek and savor all the particular ways that you see love manifesting in your life. And this love of Jesus is clearly not just for us to receive for ourselves. Here we come to our final point, our final fill-in. It says, through Christ, we can replicate God's loving ways by loving others in particular ways. If God demonstrated universal love by giving us the particular life of Jesus, then we would do well to imitate God in this way. And I think we all know this to be true. I heard it in the things that you all responded with. If we just say, I love you, that can remain. An, or if we just think, I love you, that is an abstract feeling having to do with our emotional selves. But when we express it, when we put on flesh, it becomes a whole different thing. If love comes through our vocal cords and can be turned into actual words of potent encouragement and affection, that's love putting on flesh. 
For those who are comfortable giving and receiving through physical touch, it puts on flesh through hugs, through a hand on a shoulder, or in my very favorite way, a great snuggle under our favorite blanket with one of my kids. Love puts on flesh like casseroles for people in our church who are adjusting to life with a new baby or recovering from a medical procedure. Love with flesh on looks like all the different ways people are serving to give us a clean, warm, music-filled, hot chocolate enjoying place to be together this morning. Love with flesh on is upstairs teaching Sunday school and reading books to our kids in the nursery. Love is more than a transcendent idea. It must become an eminent reality. So we have this amazing time of year where we can focus on how sweet it is to anticipate. You might feel like Christ is here already. You might feel like the baby's already in the manger and you're experiencing love. You love this season. You're feeling great. You might feel more like that anticipation of it's not there. I'm waiting. When's it going to show up? When is love going to show up for me? And so wherever you are, if you're already ready to celebrate or if you're in that place of longing, we have these promises, we have this potential of love showing up in very particular ways. So this week, sing Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. Go ahead and sing it all season long. We could call it an Advent hymn to get us through these next couple of weeks. And savor every opportunity you have to be love in the flesh to find very particular ways to express God's love within our church community, within our neighborhood, within our city, and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. God of unfailing love, thank you for loving us in countless ways, just in the moments that have filled this day since we woke up this morning. Show us so that we can see, so that we can savor and revel in your love. Give us eyes to see and energy and innovation to know how to deliver that love in particular ways all around us. We thank you and we praise you. And we just want to be near to you. And we just want to be walking with you in this life. Amen.